Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football RPG Podcast. I am your Commissioner Corey, also known as Bittner Steel, and I am once again joined by Evan, or EP Low on Sleeper. What's up, Evan? Uh, not much, Corey. I know we were just having some uh, pre-show talks here, so it was a, a good time. A little bit of uh, league-breaking dominance going on, so... Yeah, we'll we'll touch on that a little more. I want the people to know uh, just how ridiculous a fantasy football team can be if cultivated correctly. And it looks like you have just uh, accumulated a ton of talent on this team. So I definitely want to get into that a little more. Um, we will, of course, start out our pod like we always do, talking about what we're sipping on. Um, and I personally am finally back to beer. I think the last two, three shows I've been on an alternating schedule of water and coffee has just been kind of boring in general, but I am back on the train uh, with a little bit of Sierra Nevada's Hazy Little Thing IPA. So it's just a, it's pretty classic Hazy IPA, man. It, it goes down nice and smooth. It's like 7%. Uh, got a little bit of that like fruit action in there, but you know, I really, I really do like the the hoppier stuff with just like a, a tinge of that fruit behind it, and this one is uh, doing the work for me. So that's that's kind of what I'm working with right now. What do you got? I was gonna say I'm just on water. I was I was telling water you again, bro. I've been drinking all weekend. <laughs> like, yeah, I haven't, yeah been sure. what, I haven't been sleeping. What, what were you drinking on yesterday? I know you were out partying yesterday. What, what were you on yesterday? Oh, we we had this fancy mint lemonade tito's so it was like a lemonade okay. vodka, and it was like strawberry infused it was berry infused technically so there's like three different types of berries in there and like little chunks of strawberry like oh that is fancy we, we, get, we got a whole picture of it and just kind of passed it around the table so oh, that sounds delicious man i i actually uh i had a tito's lemonade at uh, the mariners game that i went to a couple weeks uh i was sitting uh, we we got like nosebleed seats, but the cool thing about the Mariner Stadium is you can just walk in and post up right behind the dugouts and just watch the game there, and it's awesome. But the dangerous thing was where we were at was like a Tito's sponsored like lemonade stand right behind us, and so you know I ended up having uh, a few too many of those as a tradition. But it was it was always a good time there. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome, man. Triple berry infused Tito's lemonade, hell yeah, yeah. So it went down very easily. It was pretty dangerous, honestly. It always is, man. It always is, especially with those uh, with those lemonades, man. Yeah, I, I get down on that. That's that's good stuff. Uh, so it's a nice summertime drink, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. It it certainly beats the heat, hundred percent. So your water game, what what you got? You got that uh, ice filled to the brim again? Is that what you're working on? No, no, no ice. Yeah, just straight water, cold. Classic tap. Out of, out of the fridge you know do you do you oh. filter your water or do you just go straight tap <laughs> uh so i do use a brita and it's kind of funny okay, because yeah. i do work for the water department here so like i know exactly what's in our water <laughs> and i know like we actually do a really good job but okay I still yeah use it. i still filter it so. i was gonna say like you have the inside scoop you're using the filter it maybe seems like uh there's some work to be done there or <laughs> no, you, you can drink it straight from the tap. There's nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, okay. I, I, for whatever reason, that's what I'm used to, and that's what I do. It's just I'm honestly right there with you, man. a habit at this point. 
Yeah, I got a, I got a Brita too. I, I don't always use it. Sometimes I just need water in a pinch. But uh, it's nice to have. I, I have the one that, you know, uh, it's like the big tanker one that uh, has the nozzle on the front. And yep. I just stick it in my fridge and fill it up every couple of days. Yeah, that's the way to go. Yep, that's exactly what I have. I think I get, I have a 32 ounce bottle and I think I get, I think it's a full, full gallon that it holds. I mean, I think I get nice. four, four bottles out of it. So basically a full day's worth of water. Good stuff, man. Gotta stay hydrated. Oh yeah. After you dehydrate, you got to rehydrate. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, the friends that I went out with there, uh, they went to a winery today and I was just like, nope, you, you guys oh are my on God. one. They, they, were they drinking as hard as you were and go to the winery the next day? That is, that's yep. intense. Yep. Hopefully they're uh, not feeling it too badly tomorrow. Nah, you know, they're, they're younger. They're 23, 24, so okay. they can handle, handle themselves a little bit better than my old 27-year-old self now. Wine for me is actually, like, that is the worst hangover for me. I think it's all the, like, the sugar in it. Um, at least that's kind of what I've, I've gathered, but Whenever uh, me and the wife like uh, split a couple bottles of wine, man, that hangover is just brutal in the morning. It makes me not want to drink wine because I like wine, but I like it a little too much. I always drink too much. I was going to say that that's me with reds, but for whatever reason, whites, like yeah. regardless of what white it is, like just whites, I don't get hangovers from, but it's tequila. Mm. Tequila absolutely kills me. I've had uh, some very bad experiences with tequila especially in my younger days i actually just got back into tequila in terms of like being able to order it and and smell it and drink it without getting like physically ill because of the the really bad episodes i had when i was in like high school and just having graduated high school it was just kind of the go-to for me and my friends and we just i this is a story for another time because it's too long but the time i ended up on an actual roof of my friend's apartment complex. That was the end of my tequila times for uh, about five, six years. I was going to say, I think tequila kind of died for me when uh, I realized that we had a surveyor at my last firm that I was working at and he actually made tequila. So oh, he would, no. and he would just bring it into the office and he just like, Oh, so dangerous or just pour us shots. And he'd be like, it's four o'clock. Like, let's have a shot. And you just start making tequila drinks and just like handing them out. Like people, if you were working past four o'clock, he was just like, oh, you probably need this. Here you go. Oh, that's awesome. But like so dangerous. Yeah. So dangerous. All right. Well, uh, you know, after talking about drinking tequila, like a couple, uh, couple of buccaneers, maybe we should get into a little bit of news on that, on that foot. Uh, Starting yep. off right away, Julio to the Bucks. We uh, we talked a little bit about this last show about you know just or maybe it wasn't last show, maybe the show before that, but uh, just not getting a lot of Julio rumblings. I was asking uh, you guys if there was anywhere you thought Julio could go that could be interesting. The last update kind of that was out there was that Julio was uh, the betting favorite to go to the Packers. Um, Packers have since then stated that they are not looking for vet wide receiver help, which is fun uh that can maybe be another discussion point later but for right now what what do you what do you think about this julio to the bucks man with tom brady like that's that's got to be raising a little bit of an eyebrow right i certainly raising my eyebrow a bit yeah yeah it raises the eyebrow i think it'll be something to monitor in in camp and realize and try and figure out you know how much is that really going to eat into russell gage's role um mm-hmm. 
And if that means that Chris Godwin, which obviously there were reports that Godwin could be back sooner than expected. So is that a sign saying that Godwin might actually not, and they might give him more time off to try and make sure he is really a hundred percent healthy. Uh, I think that's a couple, couple interesting questions and things to watch through the preseason, uh, see how they're utilized. So, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to watch. I, um, right away my gut tells me that if if julio stays you know decently healthy uh i i'm betting on him missing at least a couple games you know he's he's up there in age he's missed games his last you know three four years in the league at least uh hamstring here um hamstring there kind of thing but to me if if he can stay on the field and godwin comes back you know week one week two early enough Evans is still there. I, I, I have a really hard time seeing a return from Gage, um, especially where people were kind of taking him. He seemed like a little bit of a value for sure these last couple of weeks with him, you know, assumingly being that, that third uh, wide receiver on the team. But I don't know, man. I'm, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical that he can, he can carve out a role with, uh, with Julio being added to the mix. Maybe if... Uh, Gronk is really out, then, you know, there's just some more open targets that Gage could kind of come in for, but I just don't think I'm ever going to feel okay starting Gage with, uh, with all three wide receivers on the team. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a probably forcing them into baseball formats, um, most likely keeping them out of you feeling confident in a lineup league, starting them week in, week out, mm. unless they're Chris, uh, or, uh, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, um, once obviously he's healthy and has a couple more games under his belt. Um, but yeah. It, it kind of seems like you want the uh, the Tampa Bay wide receivers in best ball and, and not, you don't really want them in your, like uh, where you have to actually set your lineup. You don't want them in those kinds of leagues because uh, it, it really does feel like they're all just going to have their weeks um, and no one's going to really be a consistent performer. I, I'd say Godwin might be kind of the most consistent, maybe Evans, but he, you know, he disappears too sometimes uh, for sure. So it'll be interesting, man. But uh, I don't want to say like stay away from the Bucks wide receivers. They're all tied to Tom Brady. They're all going to have great games. But I, for me, drafting in, in a league where you have to set your lineup, I might be generally staying away unless they're falling yeah i mean i would tend to agree with that take cool we'll let you talk about your boy next uh you know yeah i'll just do a hawks lowdown real quick since the next two are are hawks related here so uh we have good news and we have bad news uh are you a good news first kind of guy or a bad news first kind of guy no give me the bad news first all the time okay yeah so bad news for the Hawks, uh, Chris Carson, he he sustained a really brutal neck injury, uh, had surgery, got a plate put in. Uh, he has come out and retired uh, from the NFL. And look, Hawks fan, I hate to lose him, man. He ran so hard. He, he had some great highlights. I'll never forget where he had his uh, flip uh, that he landed on his feet for um, and, you know, he was such a good um, physical runner, and I think a lot of people wanted him to to come back and and take the the reins again. But um, I do 
appreciate his his attention to his own health, man. I'm not sad to see him walk away for health reasons. Um, you got to do what you got to do, and there's there's nothing in me that would want him risking uh, any sort of you know horrible permanent neck situation. So he did the right thing for himself. I'll definitely miss the guy, but you know this does open uh, the door a little more for uh, my guy Ken Walker, who. I'll talk about a little later, uh, who I'm very excited about. And then the good news is DK Metcalf, baby. Let's go. Three-year contract. Lock him up. Yeah. Lock him up with lock. Oh, oh, joy. I'm I'm sure that's just what he wanted when he signed that contract. (laughs) I do appreciate, though, uh, it's a great deal for him, man. Having a three-year contract, he'll be a free agent when he's 27, which means... Hey, he's gonna go and get another huge contract, uh, most likely. Um, so that's that's a great deal for him. I just love having him on the team. Um, I think he's just awesome to watch. He's super entertaining. He's obviously a dynamic player. Um, but what really makes me excited is I, I'm a true believer that this year will be a not an intentionally taking year. I don't think Pete Carroll has him has it in him to do that. But I think that we'll have a bad year um, with you know, the quarterbacks that we have at the helm, uh, which will put us in a great position to draft a, a great uh, QB prospect next year. And to have DK there to sort of cushion the uh, the blow of having to, you know, kind of ramp up to the NFL. Um, I think that's just going to be great for the developmental process for our, for our incoming QB. So I love it. I love that we now have really two physical specimens in dk and noah fant who i who i also would like to keep on the team um and you know if uh qb comes in that's able to to take the reins and and be accurate and send those targets those two guys way i i see a a future for the hawks ahead that uh isn't so rainy and dark despite the weather here um so hopefully that's uh that's the way it ends up yeah i mean i would love to see him continue to succeed there um you know he seems like he loves it here man every everything he says like i know you know you don't want to bad about the city that you're playing for by any means but he goes out of his way to really you know say that he he really loves seattle and that he wants to stay here so i'm hoping he retires a hawk man that that dude's awesome yeah i mean he is one of a kind uh i wonder what this deal is going to mean for tyler lockett but that's a discussion for another time Certainly. Yeah. And I'm, you know, to be to all, all, all my cards on the table here, I'm a huge fan of Lockett too. He's, he's the guy I got the Jersey of first. Um, I, I love his skill set. He's just, he's got that, like, you know, he's got that energy man and he's always positive and I, I just love him as a player. So, um, you know, I hope that we can keep both, but we'll, we'll definitely see uh, what happens in that case. Um, but to pivot over to another NFC West team uh, with the Kyler Murray study clause, um, just kind of wanted to get your beat on this because this was super bizarre to me. The, the whole way this unfolded where Kyler Murray got his big boy contract that was just a little more than Deshaun Watson's contract, which I still find really funny. Um, but a part of that contract had a clause in it that he had to dedicate four hours week. a week four hours a week okay so four hours a week that's not a huge 
time commitment. You know, you do an hour a day for for four days, or break it up into thirty minute increments. That's, that's not a ton, but the the fact that they felt the need to include this clause in his contract, which just from my brief research, it seems like this has never really been a thing. It's never been a thing for a quarterback contract of this uh, magnitude, certainly. But like, what what is the deal with that? And then Murray comes out with this press conference. I don't know if you've heard about that, where he was like, you know, I find it really flattering that people think I could be this good, but not study. Um, kind of like throwing some shade there. Um, so yeah, I just think it was really weird. And and to be honest, it just seems like a really uh, careless move by the Cardinals. I'm not really sure what they were thinking when they decided to put that clause in. I mean, they're just thinking that he has a contract to uh, have professional streams for Twitch um, for esports. So he already has that contract and, you know, mm. it gives the Cardinals an option uh, to go after some of the guaranteed money if he wasn't doing his team mandated studying. Uh, but that con that part of the contract has actually been removed uh, since because of all of the big stink that this all caused and all the media drama um, that it caused. Yeah, I like how they came out and they specifically said that they were removing it because of the backlash. Yep. Like that was the reason they gave. It wasn't that Kyler didn't like having it in. It, it wasn't that thing about him, apparently. It was just that the decision to put the clause in got so much internet hate that they decided to forego it, which again, like if you're going to put the clause in fine, I think it's weird. I think it's a little bit of a blunder, but fine. Like that's, that's what you're going to do. Okay. But then to <laughs> just double back and say, yeah, okay, actually it's not that important. We're not going to, you know, uh, stress about this too much. We're going to go ahead and remove that clause. I don't know. It just seems like very, very weird to me. Um, not that it has many fantasy implications or football implications, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to get your beat on that because it, it just seemed really strange. Yeah, no, it definitely did seem pretty, pretty strange. Um, but at the same time, it's actually very rare these days that we get to truly see all of the details, um, that are part mm. of these contracts. And contract negotiation is very important. I mean, you look at somebody like this offseason, like Randy Gregory, and the Cowboys trying to slip in the uh, testing clauses into his contract. Um, and it causes him to leave. So, I mean, to these players, these are very important things. And we as the general public don't typically get to see what those, what those clauses are and what the contract exactly says. And like, kind of diverting a little bit here like the nil deals with contracts like i would love to see an nil contract i think there's no chance that we will see them for yeah. the foreseeable future um mm -hmm. but i would love to see that contract language and what it actually says so to these nfl players like you're coming after their guaranteed money and they don't like that so they try and mitigate any of that risk to have their payday while they can. And I guess uh, they did have a little bit of a, a little bit of data uh, to go alongside putting that clause in. I don't know if did I send you that that picture of the uh, Kyler Murray performance versus when the Call of Duty game of the year came out? Yeah. So you know. Something to keep in mind, I, the graph basically showed that after the newest Call of Duty go, game comes out every year, Kyle Murray's performance takes. 
which is uh uh you know probably not actually what's going on it's probably just a little bit of uh data uh you know corresponding to a thing that might not actually be what it's trying to show but you know i thought that that was funny at the very least to mention moving on from that though uh let's talk about your boy do you want to uh lead us off on on this one? Oh With, yeah uh, so Shan yeah. Shanahan came out uh, and said that Trey Lance is going to be the full go. He will be the quarterback of the 49ers this year. Um, and Jimmy is allowed to seek a trade. And there is rumors swirling that he could potentially be cut. Um, Corey and I had this discussion off air as well um, about what the value of Jimmy Garoppolo really is. Um, and I had made mention that at his current contract and current cap hit, I think it makes it very, very difficult for teams to trade for him. But I think he would be a highly, highly sought after player if he were to actually get cut um, from the 49ers. And I think he would probably be looking somewhere in that like two year, $20 million contract range, um, which I yeah. think is very reasonable for a quarterback that has been in the playoffs, although carried by his team, but mm -hmm. been in the playoffs and has that experience uh, behind him. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think that if he gets cut, it's going to be a massive bidding war. I think there's going to be a bunch of teams going after him because if you can lock him up as your backup quarterback, that's amazing. He's he's the backup quarterback dream. I don't know how many teams out there that, that are left. Uh, I mentioned this when we were discussing it. I don't know how many teams are out there that are left that he could go to and, and start. I I don't. I honestly don't think that there is a team out there. I, I can't think of a single one where it's a realistic possibility that they sign him for him to start. Maybe the Texans, but I, I really do think that they are hard committing on Davis Mills. I think he's who they are going forward with. The Hawks could be, but I, I think they're going to go with Drew Locke at the end of the day. I think they traded for him. They're going to see what he's got. Um, so I don't see the Hawks trading for him or even picking him up. To that effect, um, I think the, the Giants are the one that really sticks out to me. Um, yeah, they, they apparently have been liking Tyrod Taylor in camp, though. So mm -hmm. I think that kind of tempers that a little bit. Um, Tyrod's but, kind of the other guy that is just like that's the backup quarterback dream for sure. When he was on uh, the Chargers, like before he got his lung punctured, like he was looking fine. Yeah. Um, had some good times with uh, the Bills, right? Yeah, I mean, he Tyrod's played well in his career. Yeah. Uh, played at a backup level, solid backup. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Jacoby Brissett's another backup that you typically like to have. Um, and then, as unsexy as it is, Andy Dalton. Yeah, no, no, you are right. Um, I'll never forget, though, when Andy Dalton was on uh, that short lived stint on the uh, Cowboys and he got completely wrecked. And you just see his teammates like standing around, like, oh, all right, Andy Dalton got wrecked. Good stuff. That was yeah. just so. I was like, what are you doing? Like, I don't care if that's Andy Dalton. That's your quarterback. Like, come on, react a little. That's but, okay. Uh, I appreciate it because it's the Cowboys and I like seeing them fail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Eagles for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, you, you raise a good point though. Giants, yeah, though that is kind of the only spot he could go to and, and potentially start. Um, I think, I mean, I think he'd be better than Daniel Jones. I, I don't think that, Daniel Jones has shown enough to uh, 
make me think otherwise. He's he's had a few flashes here and there, and and don't get me wrong, Daniel Jones has also had you know not the greatest uh, coaching personnel uh, surrounding him. Um, so can't knock him too too hard. But he's all man. Another time I'll never forget is that like seventy yard rush where he fell ten yards from the end zone and. I can't get that image out of my head, man. Whenever I'm like facing down a Daniel Jones draft pick and I'm just like, nah, dude, that dude trips. That just, that dude just trips, man. I don't know. But yeah, so all in all, I think that this reaffirms our, our very high rank of, of Trey Lance in our cornerstone QB rankings. Uh, you had him number one. Uh, I had him number three. And I don't know if this necessarily changes the needle to, to put him up to two for me. It certainly, you know, pushes him up a little bit. Um, but you know, it, it's just it's great to hear. I love the uh, um, the transparency of of Shanahan just coming out and being like, he is the QB. Garoppolo is out. This is what we're doing. Like, and to be fair, he kind of said that last year too, in terms of like what he was planning to do with Trey Lance. But uh, I don't know. It's just it's nice to get that um, all out in the open for us dynasty players that need that information so that we can cling to our Trey Lance shares and hoard them like dragons. See how I put a little bit of RPG spin in there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it also gives, you know, a very young quarterback, a very big boost in confidence. It lets definitely. him know his coach has his back. His coach wants him there. Um, his coach wants to see him succeed and he wants him to be able to get all the first team reps. He doesn't want to have to give Jimmy some of the first team reps to reduce the the potential of Trey Lance, getting the timing down with his receivers and with his skill position players. So to further that, uh, just as a little bit of an add on, just because this news broke today uh, in terms of getting those first reps with your skill position players, Debo Samuel, big boy contract with the 49ers locking him up as well, a Hawks fan. I hate it, uh, but you know, uh, as a as a dynasty player with some Debo shares and and Lance shares for that matter, I mean that's that's great, man. They they got their guy. Uh, Debo is is awesome. That guy's a that guy is a beast out there. Um, so yeah, uh, <laughs> the next one on our list was unfortunately Eric QB ranking speed run. Uh, as you have probably noticed by now, Eric is not with us again. He was out golfing his butt off uh, and is now going out to party for some uh, after golf fun. So, uh, you know, missing Eric again. So I'll just go through his QB speed run really quick. Uh, we got Justin Fields and everyone else. Uh, glad we could clear that up. No, but I'm sure... Someday we'll have Eric back on and he can, uh, I guess, go through his QB rankings and then his RB rankings, since that's what we're going to get to a little later. But we're going to have to give him an entire episode just to catch himself back up and just to give his rankings. Maybe we'll do a solo pod where it's just yeah. Eric giving all of his rankings. Yeah. No, I kind of want to be there for that because I kind of want to give him flack. So it'd have to be, it'd have to be at least me in there. Um, but let's move on to the next story because I have no idea what this story is i i missed this one completely so i'm gonna leave it to you to explain exactly what this is so the, this is the the feel-good story of training camp so far uh there was a kid at panthers training camp and he had a bag of doritos and apparently christian mccaffrey walked over and was like hey i'll trade you my bag of dorito or your bag of doritos for me to sign your jersey so he got a bag of doritos he told the kid hey 
come back tomorrow and bring me Oreos and I'll bring something for you. So the kid came back and brought Oreos and Chris McCaffrey gave him his signed practice cleats. Damn. That that's that is awesome. Cool, right? Like that is a that's so cool. awesome. That yeah. is so crazy cool. Holy wow. So what man, I just really want to picture a scenario here though, where the kid looks at his Doritos and he looks at the jersey, and he looks at his Doritos, he's like, ah, yeah, but they but they're cool ranch though. So I don't know, like they were cool uh, ranch Doritos. Ah, uh, see, dude, I don't know. The cool ranch is the best flavor by far. Wait, are you are you a nacho cheese apologist or are you cool ranch all the way? No, cool ranch all the way. There's that that's my guy right there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. All right. I knew it too. I, even when I asked, I was like, no, Evan's a cool ranch guy. Absolutely. No, but that's awesome, man. Christian McCaffrey, I I really I love him as a player. Um, you know, obviously as a dynasty asset, he's been way way up and then just roller coaster ride down with his his value uh, and his injuries they sustained but that's just such a good feel good story I, I love hearing stuff like that with a uh, high caliber players like that you know that that kid like that that's a, that's a memory for a lifetime he's, he's never gonna forget that um and if he ends up you know not being a panthers fan he has some uh some capital to uh, auction off certainly at the very least yeah, if he's not a Panthers fan anymore, then he can, you know, sell the cleats and go become a fan with some memorabilia for another team. Yeah, but how do you, I mean, if I was yeah. like, like, how do you not be a Panthers fan after that, like, forever? Like, that's that's pretty incredible. Christian Caffrey would have to uh, do some pretty deplorable stuff for me to not want his uh, signed jersey and signed practice cleats. That's That's pretty incredible stuff. Right. That, I mean, that's like the story of the, there, there was some super young kid who, I mean, this was years ago at this point, um, basically wrote a letter to all 32 NFL teams and was like, hey, I'm looking to get into football. I want to become a fan of a team. Why should I be a fan of your team? And the Panthers apparently were the only team to respond. And they sent him a letter back. Oh, wow. With a signed helmet from all of the players on the team. Wow, that's so cool, man. I, I I've never heard that either, but good on the Panthers, man. That that's really good stuff. I I can't believe that he didn't get any other letters back though. You would think that there's some sort of like publicity person on these teams that would see that as an opportunity to like not only do you gain a fan for life, but you know, that's a story. That's a story that's going to get out there and be like, "Oh, my franchise or this franchise is, is awesome and it's just gonna make more of a fan base so good on them man yeah Alrighty. well i think that's all that we got for the the football talk news uh, this week so yep. we'll, we'll come um, to you more next week yeah and surely there'll be more as, as training camp continues uh as we just get more and more uh beats there's been look we could probably make the entire show about just these like blurbs and buzzes about all these like rookies and people doing yada yada in camp personally i think there's just so much noise out there right now that i'm totally fine with just like taking a beat we can we can you know just kind of survey everything and come back with a little more of like a like a consensus you know takes from these guys i i just i don't want to get too um hot on any of these takes before we 
actually get a couple weeks into uh, seeing what they can do on a practice field. So we'll maybe do another show where uh, we go into more of the details of the uh, what people are seeing, what the beat writers are saying, uh, what people are doing on the uh, on the training camp field. But for now, um, we are making this show our Cornerstone RB rankings show. Last week, if you didn't tune in, we did quarterbacks. Um, where basically we're, we're grouping the 21, 22, and 23 classes together, ranking them and letting you guys know uh, how we value these guys. But before that, Evan made a trade. Uh, and Evan has a team that I would just like a brief uh, brief segue into, if Evan doesn't mind uh, giving us a little bit of details on on what he did to this poor, poor league. Yeah, so it's it's a league that this is the fourth year of the league. Uh, I started out and went super young in the draft, traded back, traded back, traded back, traded back, basically just accumulated as many assets as I could and pulled the productive struggle approach before productive struggle was as widely tried and attempted as it is these days. Um, and I was just able to accumulate just tons and tons of assets. Uh, from it. And I had a trade that went down uh, right before the show. I actually told Corey I had to take a little bit of time before getting on just to finish that trade up. Um, and I had a couple people tell me that, you know, my team is very close to just breaking the league. Um, so it's a super flex 12 team PPR tight end premium league. Um, I ended up just making a trade for Jonathan Taylor, you know, the consensus RB1 in fantasy football right now. Uh, and I had to give up Elijah Mitchell, a 23 first, which very, very much should be a playoff first. Uh, my 24 first, which based off of this team, should be a late 24 first. And then my 23 second, which once again should be a very late 23 second. So, and I sent Corey this and was telling him about it pre-show. Um, but the the reason people are saying it's a, a league breaking team is because we're just gonna list list off the the starting lineup here. We got Josh Allen, Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson. Traylon Burks, Kyle Pitts, Brees Hall, Nick Chubb, Garrett Wilson, Kyler Murray. So I told Corey it's a studs and duds team. Um, on the bench, it has Deshaun Watson, and that is pretty much it on the bench. I mean, it has technically Isaiah Spiller and Irv Smith Jr. Whoop-de-doo. But the kicker that gets all of this and just kind of throws another wrench into all of it is uh, the guy who has probably the worst team in the league. Uh, I have his first. So very likely would be adding Bijan to that team next year, come draft time. Absolutely disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself. So it just goes to show, you know, for those that want to, you know, trade for future assets, it doesn't always work out. It really doesn't like I can show Corey plenty of teams where it's just like, yeah, I picked the wrong guys. Mm -hmm. Like I did not hit on my picks and it was not worth it. You know, my yeah. team is in really bad shape right now because of just punting and punting and then not being able to hit. But so 
sometimes it does hit and uh, sometimes you create these quote unquote super teams and then you make the rest of your league mates very upset at you and you hope that they are very very nice people and continue to donate to your <laughs> drinking fund or whatever fund you want yeah man with with that kind of ro- like with that kind of starting lineup i mean you're guaranteed a playoff berth you're you're almost guaranteed to be in the finals like unless something catastrophic happens you're you're basically just like swapping one or two of those guys out when you hit bye weeks but otherwise you are rolling out top 10 guys every single week and i mean that's that's how you win fantasy football so that's a great team and they're all young too they're all young top assets so you're just going to be dominating for years to come that's just that is gross man absolutely brutal well done well done cheers i will cheers to that hey i appreciate it so every once in a while a blind squirrel finds a nut you know and uh, that's <laughs> that's that team i mean i know i know in the discord you know we have that fantasy braggings channel and it's like i've posted it in there once when i had you know all all the extra picks and i had the mm-hmm. team and i might just have to post it with jt on it now too oh yeah i would i would that's gonna get some uh eye emojis for <laughs> sure um well not to you know try to upstage you or anything like that because you know i also happened to uh do a trade today uh just you know about eight hours ago here so i just want to mention a trade that i did in an RPG league. Um, it's actually our only best ball dynasty RPG league um, that I have going right now. I have another best ball league, but that's a uh, redraft. That's the executioner league that we do yearly. Um, but in our dragons empire league, it's also an empire league. Uh, so empire, best ball dynasty, yada, yada, uh, you know, uh, PPR, tight end premium, super flex, start to tight end, all that good stuff. Uh, I made a trade for my pretty much win now team that needed some wide receiver help. Um, I went ahead and sent Marcus Mariota and Leonard Fournette, and I got back Big Mike Will and a third round pick on top, um, which my team pretty desperately needed wide receiver help but i i was pretty happy to give that up to me mariota is a couple bad games away from getting replaced uh by ritter um so i didn't feel too bad about letting him go for net i felt a little uh, more shaky about but you know i also have derrick henry i also have christian caffrey i have tony pollard um i i have a you know a decent stable of rbs that for my win now team should be able to get me by just fine um and to get mike williams who i view as very likely to break into the top 12 this year tied to justin herbert physical specimen uh i was really excited to get him because my other wide receivers were basically dj moore uh deandre hopkins who i was very excited about before he got suspended um and not a lot else i have sky Moore, i have kenny galladay corey davis marvin jones kind of weak but now with uh Mike Williams in play on that team as as who I'm hoping will be my my wide receiver one. I I'm liking my team's chances a lot more for this year. So, you know, I know that you did a JT deal. That's all well and good. But how about Mike Will though? I I mean Mike Williams has his blow up weeks. So definitely valuable in in best ball. And I think it's really interesting 
because I've been having more and more friends try and get me into best ball leagues. And it's just a new format that, you know, I have mm. two best ball leagues right now. So I'm just like dipping my toe into just to kind of see, you know, how exactly it changes the strategy. I had a friend last year that actually won a best ball league and had more than the roster limit because sleeper apparently had a glitch in it that you could have yeah. like however many people over. So he traded all of his picks yeah. and had like 10 players over the roster limit. And so that's they, something I actually have to closely monitor in in our uh, best ball league uh, because yeah, uh, if you have more players than your roster limit, then that's a crazy advantage, dude. Like I, I basically leave it where um, so a, a little how it where I won't go too into depth, but a little bit how this league works is dynasty uh, with three rounds of of rookie draft every year, and basically how it works is. Every time we draft rookies, we increase the roster size by three for those incoming rookies, which doesn't you know, mean you can't trade away players for more picks and draft more guys, but you do have to cut down to that new roster size every year uh, before we basically just do it before uh, week one kickoff. You have to cut down to size. Um, and so, you know, we increased the, uh, the rosters by three again this year and I had, uh, I think, four or five picks, so I, I did have to make a few cuts, or I will have to make a few cuts. Like you, I'm kind of getting more and more into best ball now. Uh, like I said, I only have the one RPG league that is Dynasty with it, but it's actually really fun, especially with the format of the rosters increasing every year with your rookies. Um, it's it's gotten to be a really fun league, and uh, my team, like, man, I'm I'm very much, like, if I don't win this year, I'm going to have to blow this team up. I just got so many old, old assets on it. Uh, so I'm hoping to take home the ship this year, but it's empire. So technically to get that empire pot, I'd have to win next year too, which is uh, maybe, maybe I could swing it, but who knows? We'll see. Um, yeah, that's a fun league and uh, was a fun trade with, uh, I'll shout him out real quick. It was uh, Modus who made a deal with the devil here. The guy is a 49ers fan. But uh, had to uh, had to go get my guy. Had to go get some wide receiver help, and he was willing to deal. So he uh, reached out to me when I put Mario on the block, and that's how the deal ended up going. So I think uh, we both ended up pretty happy about it, though. Um, with a third on top, though, um, that is kind of fun for me because since it's only a three round rookie draft, that's you know another pick for me out of a very uh, small uh, sample of rookies that we all get to draft out of. So I actually think that the third is a little more valuable than it would be in a, a more traditional league. But just wanted to go into that a little more. I think that we should maybe touch on trades a little more just because I think they're interesting for further episodes. So maybe you guys will hear more trade talk at a later date. But for now, let's go ahead and move forward to our cornerstone RB rankings. Uh, to kind of set the stage here a bit, I put in my rankings a few days after I made the show sheet. Um, and, you know, I had to do my fair bit of, fair amount of research. Uh, I am, I, I will continue to profess it. I am not uh, a college football guy. I very recently started to actually like watch games and follow players and all that stuff. I was mostly just relying on uh, other podcasts to inform me of, of incoming guys, of, of prospects and that kind of thing. Um, so now that we have this podcast going, I've been trying to do my due diligence, basically just listen to what Evan has to say, and then go watch videos of the guys that he name, name drops. 
and after doing so for a couple of these guys that I didn't know, I put in my rankings, and then a few days later, Evan followed up with his, and I gotta say, I, I like the uh, picture that we're painting here. It uh, seems like we agree on quite a few of these guys, but uh, without further delay, I will go ahead and just start us off. Number one, Najee Harris. I mean, what more do you want? In an RB, what more can you ask for? This guy has crazy size, crazy speed. He is the unquestionable RB one for his team uh, on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he showed out his first year, came in the most targeted RB of 2021. What what more do we want? We want our RBs to be physical, to get yards rushing, but also to be a pass catching threat to rack up those PPR points. Uh, and so to me, it's just, I don't want to say that Najee Harris is in his own tier, but he's kind of in his own tier. He is, to me, the unquestioned RB1 here of our cornerstone rankings. Uh, and I would like anyone uh, to fight me to tell me otherwise, because I bet you can't. Yeah, and Corey already knows my rankings, so he knows that Najee is my number one as well. Um, just spoiler alert, our number one and number two are both the exact same. Um, so yeah, I don't really have too much to add, uh, other than, uh, if you look at data from the last five years, um, in the NFL, the primary running back on the team, uh, Pittsburgh is a top three team in that primary running back, getting the largest percentage share of the snaps. Okay. Yeah, so, that's a good stat. Najee is getting, you know, or will, as the Pittsburgh running back, be getting and continue to get a lion's share of the snaps, and less will be feasted off uh, than other teams that you see, aka Dallas, as an example, um, aka the 49ers, as an example. Um, you can have a lot more faith in that lead back. And as we've mentioned before, Bell Cow is a very rare status that you actually hit these days and if you can't believe that Najee's hit it yet hopefully after this coming season you'll be able to see that Najee's hit it no it, exactly with the NFL just going less and less towards traditional one RB like uh play style where they just roll out the big stud that's just happening less and less often Najee Harris is is you know not one of a kind, but he, he's definitely like a, a unicorn in, in a certain sense of he is a very rare specimen in today's modern NFL where he can do it all. He has done it all and he's going to continue to do it all. There's no one behind him and the Steelers aren't going to, in my mind, draft anyone or pick up anyone that's ever going to threaten to take away from Najee Harris for the next four years. So if you have Najee Harris on your team, good job. I will say you did say something very important the next four years uh, because we look yes. at the rookie year and most likely Najee will be in Pittsburgh for five years. And then based yes. off of Pittsburgh's track, track record, uh, most likely will not be in Pittsburgh for his sixth year. Yes, yeah, so let's, let's remember that RB shelf life, again, like it, it is less than wide receivers traditionally. 
And Najee Harris was an, an older prospect. He is 24 years old now. Um, so, you know, like you said, the Steelers track record kind of dictates that he won't be around uh, when he's 29. Maybe he super performs and, and they do keep him around. But the, the likelihood of that is, is less uh, than, than you might want it. And so, yeah, maybe in a few years time, if you can sell high on, on Najee and try to try to regain some youth, I mean, it's kind of that it's kind of always that game. And you want to you want to sell at a player's highest so that you can draft a, a younger guy and keep your team young and fresh and, and going for, for longer. So, um, you know, Najee unquestioned RB1 right now. Um, but who knows? You got to keep your eye on it. Certainly, especially with the uh, the next guy on our list coming in next year, uh, who, as Evan prefaced, is the same on both of our lists. Uh, it's Bijan, man. It's Bijan Robinson. Like he is unquestioned. He's the guy. He is the guy next year. He will be highly drafted. He will be rolled out as a starting RB. He is an absolute monster back. He makes plays that every highlight I've seen of him is a shock play where I'm just like, how did he do that? Like, that is incredible physical attributes. See, this guy can run up a field outpacing everyone, or he can make a cut, stiff arm a guy, and spin out of the way of a safety and take it upfield. Like, he... He truly just seems unstoppable. And I think that knowing already that he is the consensus guy coming into next year, whatever team drafts him, he's going to be rolled out. He's going to be a starter. He might just be another one of these unicorns where he is an unquestioned, no one behind him kind of player where you can just start and forget. He has those physical attributes. He he has it all, man. Bijan, number two, all the way. Yep, I 100% echo it. Bijan is my number two as well. Um, the Texas offense should be better this year. The Texas defense is still going to be poor. Um, so the offense should be on the field a sizable chunk of the game. They should be in a lot of shootouts, which likely will lead to a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, high statistical year for Bijan in college. Um, looking back at his high school days, uh, he had three straight 2000 yard seasons in high school. Um, so Ridiculous. let's just remember he was doing this at the high school level, continued to do it at the college level and will continue to do it at the NFL level. Um, he's already being talked about in dynasty circles and Debbie circles specifically, uh, as a top five NFL dynasty back, uh, when he comes into the league. So. I think you value him accordingly. And yeah. this this list, you know, I think there's a very real possibility that you could flip-flop Najee and Bijan come 2024. But I think next season, so going into 2023, um, we're still going to be looking at Najee being that number one on the list um, until he starts to get a little bit older and Bijan actually shows how dominant he will be at the NFL level. You can, yeah, no, you can very, you can, you can very highly predict the flip here, especially with Bijan's youth uh, coming into the league. And uh, when you say the the Texas defense is going to be poor again, what that means to me is that Bijan's just going to get more targets. 
which that's just going to increase his draft stock. That's just going to increase his profile. He's going to be an incredibly valuable asset. And uh, I cannot wait to draft him thoroughly and overpay for the 101 next year to get him. But let's go ahead. And since those are so consensus, there's not a lot to talk to about those two guys. Let's go ahead and take it to number three, because this is where we differ slightly. Uh, it's literally just a flip <laughs> here, but uh, we still should kind of talk about what we feel are the differences here. And so for me, number three is Javante Williams. Uh, I just really love his skill set. I really love that I'm going to have to swallow my pride here a little bit and unfortunately proclaim that because he is on an offense with Russell Wilson, that he will be a highly valuable running back because they are going to get up to the goal line. They're going to score touchdowns and he is going to bang in touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. He showed last year that even with Melvin Gordon nipping at his heels, that he could be incredibly valuable, even though the whole dynasty community that has him desperately wanted Melvin Gordon not get re-signed. He did get re-signed, but let's remember that Javante Williams still showed out, and Melvin Gordon is now 29 years old, I believe. Getting up there in age, uh, the likelihood that he's going to be able to keep pace with Javante Williams for this year and next year and the years to come is, is pretty unlikely. Um, so it's really just a matter of time before Javante Williams has the whole backfield to himself. And with him showing what he's shown, carrying, you know, 60% of the weight, um, I'm just really excited to see where he goes. I think that he can be a monster. Uh, and he's on an ascending offense that is just going to score points. Uh, in a division that is going to see plenty of shootouts where he's going to be utilized heavily. Um, and so for me, that is why Javante is number three. Um, let's go ahead and hear who you have at three, though. Yeah, my, my number three is Brees Hall. Um, played 12 games all three of his college seasons, uh, had over 700 rushing attempts, had over 50 receptions, uh, with back-to-back seasons of 20 receptions or more, uh, which I like to use 20 to 25 as kind of my threshold uh, for running backs in college. Uh, for the most part, running backs aren't utilized as much out of the backfield in college. Um, so to me, 20, 25 receptions um, is a relatively good uh, good number. Um, so, you know, his final season at Iowa State, Brees Hall had 36 receptions. To me, that is a pretty large number. Uh, you're saying he's having three receptions a game, which gets you those valuable PPR points. Um, he's a very durable back. I have no questions whether he can handle you know, a 250 attempt workload. Uh, whereas when you move over to Javonta Williams, in college, we saw him 166 and 157 attempts uh, in his sophomore and junior year. And then we saw those attempts go up um, in Denver uh, last year. Um, I think it was right around 200, 200 attempts. Um, so, you know, he's showing that he can handle a larger workload. Um, but I just haven't seen it from the college ranks. So I've seen Brees Hall from the college ranks. And then you can make the argument on the flip side 
you've seen Javante in the NFL level and he produced well at the NFL level, whereas we haven't seen Brees Hall at the NFL level. So we can't really make that full assessment. Um, but I like Brees Hall better as a prospect. So Brees Hall was my answer for number three on my list. And as Corey said, it was just a flip. So Javante Williams is my number four on the list. And Brees Hall for me, of course, is number four. And, you know, you, you summed it up really well. Um, I would just add that, you know, besides just seeing Javante do it at the NFL level and not yet seeing Brees Hall, uh, it's, it's just the teams for me, man. And I am actually, I'm a Jets hopeful. I, I think that, you know, as per my quarterback rankings of Zach Wilson, I think that he has the potential to be really, really good. Um, but I won't deny the the bust potential there of, of the Jets. The Jets might not get it together. I, I, I hope they will. And I think that a lot of signs point to them being able to get it together. But if they don't and Brees Hall isn't utilized as heavily because they need to throw to the receivers more and they have they have great receivers um that that's just the slight downtick and again this is a this is a one ranking one spot ranking difference for me so it's not anything that i'm like super ultra worried about but i think that's the slight take here for me is that do i want the running back on russell wilson's team that's going to get to the goal line often or do i want the running back who might be a better college prospect but is on a team with zach wilson who still needs to kind of prove it and and a lot of younger guys on that team that still kind of need to prove it and show that they can get up to that goal line, score points, and win games. So I love Brees Hall. That's why he's number four for me, though. It's the difference between the Broncos and the Jets and having a little more of an established offense than kind of still trying to get their feet from under them with the Jets. Um, but Brees Hall, man, I've I've been overdrafting Brees Hall. I'm a, I'm a 101 stand this year. I've been overpaying for the 101. I did something. You'll probably... I think you might hate this one, but it was uh, it was before the NFL draft, and I did Aaron Jones and the one eleven for the one hundred one. No, I mean I, I don't hate it. I mean okay. I can right. I can I can understand where it comes from. I do think Aaron okay. Jones is going to absolutely smash this year. I do. Uh, too. I am not. I'm not trying to talk bad on Aaron Jones. I still think he'll be great this year. Um, we can talk about that later, maybe, but uh, it, it was more about just I really, really love Brees Hall, and I love a 20-year-old running back that's going to be the unquestioned starter for his team, and the potential there, the ceiling there is just, it was just too good for me to pass up. So, um, Totally understand, and you know, the just to put this in perspective as well, um, obviously excluding Bijan because he is not in the NFL right now, but... I mean, we just listed three of my personal top four running backs in Dynasty. So, I mean, yes. the only other running back that is on top of them is Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. So, like, these guys, while they are different in our cornerstone rankings, I mean, you're splitting, we're both splitting hairs at this point. Like, totally. they are both unquestioned top five Dynasty running back assets. Absolutely. And I think the more and more we get into this list, the more it'll become obvious kind of what we're seeing with these upcoming 
2023 guys um, when you compare it to the 21 and 22 classes, um, especially the 22 classes, man, it was it was slim pickings there. Um, but to take us to the next one, I mean, again, I just feel <clears throat> so validated here. Nail on the head. Number five for me, Jameer Gibbs. Evans talked about him. I've watched his tape. I've seen the kid. This kid is a baller. And he is going to be the starting running back on the Alabama Crimson Tides. And he's going to be epic, man. His, you talk about the over 20, over 25 reception quota that you kind of look for. How about 36 receptions last year? Like, that is exactly what I want to see, man. Not only does this kid have all the physical attributes you want to see in a starting running back, he can catch the ball. He can make receptions happen. He can increase his draft stock. He can increase his value using his hands to catch the football and take it upfield. So, I, man, I could, I can just watch his tape and see how good he is. But, I mean, let's remember the track record of Alabama running backs. These guys get drafted. These guys get drafted in the first round a lot. They get drafted in the first round to go and take over and start for an NFL team. And when I look at Gibbs, I see the profile of a running back that can do exactly that. Ball out for Alabama, go get drafted in the first round, become an instant starter first team. So for me, Jameer Gibbs, definitely behind Bijan in terms of his just raw athletic skill, his, his ability. But I think he's going to be a stud running back. And I think that you're going to be happy to take him with your second, third pick uh, in next year's draft. So Jameer Gibbs, number five. Yeah, Corey, Corey already alluded to it. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is my number five as well. Um, we unfortunately do have a pretty similar list, so there's not too much debating going on uh, during <laughs> during this episode here. Um, but and look, man, it'd be one thing. I feel like it'd be one thing if you put your list in first and then you saw my list come in and you're like, okay, Corey's kind of copycatting me, but I feel so validated with your eyes being able to make a list that is so similar to mine. It feels so good. Yeah. And I mean, we, we talked about that. Like I literally made my list in my notes in my phone because I didn't even have internet access at that time. Um, so I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to type this in my notes on my phone and then I put it in and yeah, it, I looked up and scrolled up and was like, oh man, all right, Corey, like we're mind melding here. Um, yep, but yeah, man. so Jameer Gibbs, you know, coming from the Georgia Tech offense, which was absolutely putrid, um, you know, really stifled him, uh, very much a lack of talent. So now he's going to Alabama, where there is a whole heck of a lot more talent there. Uh, I think it's realistic to see him go for 1,100 rushing yards and 600 receiving yards. Like, he could have a 1,700-yard from scrimmage season. And I don't, think anybody, I don't think anybody would bat an eye at that. Um, if that were to happen, then I think likely with the way that running backs have been going in the NFL draft, I, I genuinely don't think that any running back has a chance besides Bijan to make it into round one um, for this coming season. Um, but if somebody were to, 
I, I do think it would be Jameer Gibbs. Um, I think one knock and maybe he'll put on a little bit more weight and carry it well uh, at Alabama. Um, but there is some size concerns um, thinking that his actual true measurements are closer to like 5'10", 190. Um, thinking that that's more so his playing weight, um, which if they were to come in at that weight at the combine, you know, there's not a fantastic track record for sub 200 pound running backs in the NFL, um, which could potentially limit him uh, moving forward at the NFL level. Um, but I very much think of him and I very much think of Aaron Jones um, in his prime. So like yeah. prime Aaron Jones, I think That's is a, a very good example of what he could be. Yeah, no, I agree. I would love to see him get up to like 200. If he can get up to like, 205 like that's that's that sweet spot like that's that's where i want to see him for sure so hopefully he can attack on a bit of muscle and uh get up there um but yeah man i i'm really excited for gibbs i think he's gonna have a great season like you said i don't think uh yeah i 1200 yards rushing and yeah 600 550 maybe in the air like give me that guy yeah that that sounds about right though uh, and continuing in the tradition of us just having mirror image lists here, uh, how about at number six, Travis Etienne, man. I'm so excited for this season to see Travis Etienne finally. I was huge Travis Etienne guy last year. I traded up in so many leagues to nab him at like 104, you know, 103 sometimes. Like I... I was overdrafting. I, I I love the dude. I think that he's got such an exciting skill set, and the fact that he gets to go and play with his college quarterback was just the dream scenario for me. And then Urban Meyer happened, and it just kind of made me hesitant. And then he broke his foot, and so just not not a great couple of not a great series of events for Travis Etienne, unfortunately. Um, but this year. I'm super optimistic, and I know there are a lot of doubters that the Lindstrank injury is, is a really scary one, and I won't contest that. Um, but everything you hear in camp so far is that Travis Etienne is, is back to his star self. He's making plays. He's lighting it up. He now has a, a, a head coach that is uh, qualified <laughs> for the position, um he gets to go and again play with trevor lawrence replicate what they did at clemson and i just i just think the sky's the limit i think that he is such a good uh pass catching back not to mention he can he can still like get it done on the ground but he's gonna he's gonna get slot like shares he's gonna line up as a receiver he's going to be a guy that they're going to take shots downfield to, or even just a screen to, and he's going to make cuts and take it into the end zone. I think he's incredibly valuable. I think his risk, there's still risk there. Of course, he has James Robinson behind him who undrafted, you know, you can't uh, like pay too much attention to James Robinson for that reason, but you got to pay a little attention to him because he showed out. He James Robinson has showed that he is a capable player and that he can be, in the mix but i just think that travis Etienne is so good that that's just not gonna matter 
really. It, I whatever James Robinson gets, I don't think it's going to take enough away from Travis Etienne to be scared to draft him by any means. I'm still drafting Travis Etienne. I'm still excited for his prospects. My favorite stack right now to get is Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence because I think that's just going to be a really really fun stack to have in Dynasty. Uh, so number six, Travis Etienne, baby. Yeah. I like Travis Etienne. I think the news of James Robinson coming back a little bit quicker than expected kind of tempers those expectations a little bit. I think the head coaching change tempers expectations a little bit um, in Doug Peterson because he does like running back by committees. So I don't expect him to have a full workload. You start diving into uh, Travis Etienne's college numbers uh, and a lot of the receptions that he had were within two yards of the line of scrimmage so it was a lot of very short routes very short plays you know just kind of dump offs so i mean it's very possible that's how he gets used um at this level as well at the nfl level um i do like him playing with his college quarterback i do think that that is big um so i am excited to see him uh, I know Jeff Mueller um, put together a very comprehensive look at Liz Frank injuries and them coming back from it. So that was an interesting one to read um, and talk to him about. Um, and basically his reasoning and thinking on it is he doesn't want to pay up for ETN right now because he thinks ETN is going to have a slow start to the year because of the Liz Frank injury um, and just how it typically takes you know, until the latter half of the year for them to truly get back into form um, of what they were and to truly trust the foot um, and everything that goes on uh, with their cutting. So I think there will be a buy window uh, relatively early in the season on Travis Etienne if you do want to buy him. Um, you know, obviously, if you have him now, be excited. Like, he is a young, dynamic player. Um, I do have some concerns in his running style uh, and how biomechanically he just absorbs a lot of hits, um, a lot of impact from those hits. He doesn't really get his body in a position to protect himself, and he has a very upright running style. Um, so those two things combined together, I think, should most likely lead to more injuries. Obviously, it's next to impossible to predict injuries, um, but statistically, chance-wise, I think it has a higher percentage chance uh, of him getting hurt because of those factors. No, that's definitely fair. I mean, you have to you have to take into account that he did sustain the in injury, like the injury that ended his rookie season. He sustained that, whether or not it was like a freak injury or if it was something that he did while he was running. I mean, injuries are hard to predict, but sustaining an injury that early, that significantly. It all it does is increase the probability for future injuries, and maybe he never has a, a future injury. That that is totally possible, but the increased chance you you can't you know disregard that uh, entirely. You have to keep that in mind, um, and so I, I definitely agree with that. It's definitely why he's not higher up on my list. Um, that and you know still being on the Jags, which you have to <laughs> kind of take a grain of salt with all the Jags players because. They are, they have been atrocious. Um, and Trevor Lawrence, you know, he kind of needs to be 
the hero to save the team and maybe he will maybe he won't um but it, you know hit travis Etienne's value is sort of dependent on them being able to utilize him uh like a running back and being able to compete in in games and and keep the score close uh, and run and run games out um so you can't you can't disregard any of those things for sure um that being said i just i'm really excited i still think he's very dynamic um i totally agree with you though also where there's there's probably going to be a decent window at the start of the season if he i i don't know off the top of my head what their schedule looks like at the beginning of the year but um uh, any game that the jaguars are going to play i mean they have a decent chance of losing because they're still missing some holes on that team man and so if uh if he gets hurt again um or or he's just not showing out because the team can't really run the football that well because they're behind all the time um those are all things to keep in mind i, I think you could you could have a decent chance of buying him at a at a cheaper price than than his draft stock price right now um and all that to be said i mean james robinson coming back sooner than later like that that is actually one i'm not a huge handcuff rb guy but that's a handcuff pair i've actually been pretty okay with with taking uh taking etn and then james robinson later because even if etn doesn't get hurt i still think that James Robinson has, has proven himself to be a, a starting RB caliber player. And so whether, you know, he provides standalone value still on the Jags or, or if he gets traded, um, if he gets traded, that's, that's best case scenario, man. You, you just, you know, depending on the team he goes to, you might've just scored yourself a league winning type of running back that you got for, for pretty cheap on the dollar uh, considering his ADP right now. So that is a pair of RBs that I, haven't uh haven't shied away from too much i i don't mind grabbing those two guys and just kind of waiting and seeing and and seeing what happens there but uh yeah i'm 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 very high on travis Etienne. not too high to put him above you know a jameer gibbs that obviously hasn't taken an nfl snap yet um but i am high on him the, yeah the, yeah. the jags i just pulled up so they they open the season at the commanders which we all know has a fantastic run defense then yeah. after that they go to indianapolis or they play they play indianapolis um at home and we all know the colts have a pretty good run defense as well uh, mm -hmm. they also have a decent offense and then they go to los angeles to go play the chargers which very well could put them behind very very early in that game you know the chargers don't have a fantastic run defense by any means but they added pass rushers to that team, so they sure could did. be wetting. They could just be wetting loose, uh, going after um, warrants in that game. And then week four, they play at Philly. Um, so Philly took steps to improve their run defense. Uh, they still have a very good defensive line, um, and they have historically been a pretty good run defense. So that's a, that's a decently tough early schedule, man. That is four games at the beginning of the season that you know, could prove fruitful as a bargaining chip uh, to yeah. be able to say, hey, ETN's not good. So, yeah. No, I 100% agree with you there. Um, I'm excited to get into number seven here because this is definitely where it starts to, well, I guess I shouldn't say that too much because our next one is the same. But uh, 
we do have <laughs> yeah. a differing of opinions here where it's not just like a straight flip, uh, where it's not just a, a one tier drop here. Where at number seven for me, I have Zach Evans, um, who I think, you know, he's a guy that I think got, from what I understand, uh, he was on uh, TCU, right? And he was, he, there were some concerns there with him being able to sort of ramp up uh, to become um, a valuable player in, in a college setting. And he showed flashes for sure. And what I saw of him, you know, he, he can be physical. He can jam it into the end zone. He didn't catch too many passes, but uh, he definitely seems like a guy that can, he, he has the speed to just, to just belt it upfield. Um, he has the size. He's like six foot, 210, um, which is, you know, great size for a running back that has that kind of speed. Um, so I like all those things. What I think separates him for me uh, in terms of where, where we kind of see Zach Evans on our rankings is I'm really optimistic with him going to Ole Miss. I think that he's going to have a, a great shot at, at showing more of his skill set and becoming more and more valuable uh, this coming college football season. Um, and that's basically it. it. It's definitely like a, it's obviously like a projection thing. It's, it's, a, it's a hope thing. I don't have a lot of uh, statistical analysis to, to back it up, but I think uh, him transferring is going to see dividends for his value. And I think it's going to make him a higher shot. I think that if he really performs well on Ole Miss, I think that you could see him potentially go like maybe late second, early third, and and be a running back that if he goes to the right spot, like he is definitely going to be worth a look uh, in the NFL draft. So um, I don't know. I think that I think that's the main difference for me in terms of where we have him ranked. Um, I also just really like seeing him play. I think he's like. A really mean player like he just he seems really physical and just like runs angry and i like those type of guys i know that carries like a sustained like injury kind of risk but i just like that kind of player personally so um yeah zach evans number seven for me okay yeah zach evans is perfectly reasonable um my guy that i went with was sean tucker um he used to be a high school track athlete um, so he has the speed. He plays on the team that people probably don't watch ever, really, uh, and Syracuse, uh, known as a basketball school, not known as a football school. I honestly couldn't even tell you the last time a major running back at the NFL level uh, was there from Syracuse. So it's been a very long time. Um, as we did mention previously, he almost ran for 1,500 uh, yards as a sophomore. So I think that is huge. Um, he needs to come in above 200 pounds. Uh, there's questions whether he's actually sitting right there. Um, he should be right around 200 pounds. Uh, he might tack on a, a little bit of weight. I know he's definitely tacked on a ton of weight since high school. Um, I think he's packed on like 30 pounds since high school. Um, so definitely shows that he can do it, uh, fill it out his frame a little bit more. And I'm looking forward to hopefully another season and hopefully 1700, uh, yards from scrimmage from Sean Tucker. I see the speed. I think he's going to blow up the combine, uh, with 
metrics and with testing. So I'm definitely very excited to see that. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's completely fair. Uh, I also have Sean Tucker on my list, so I'll talk to him a little more later. Uh, but again, let's go ahead and mirror image our list here and talk about number eight. Um, Kenneth Walker III, Hawks fan in me, wanted to rank him a little higher, but look, I really like him. I think he's got great measurables. Um, I I watched that uh, Michigan game where he just went off, and that that is so hard to come away from that game and not have like a very biased <laughs> picture in your head of Ken Walker because he just dominated so hard. But look, I won't lie, man. His measurables are great, but he's on the Hawks. And I love the Hawks. They're my team. But they're in a really... <laughs> they're in a bad situation right now. Um, we don't really have uh, the QB room that we need to be super competitive, in my opinion, uh, to push the, the ball downfield, to uh, be able to get up to the goal line and, and bang in those touchdowns. And, and, we, and we do have Rashad Penny... Uh, ahead of of Kenneth Walker right now, and there's no reason that the Hawks, in my mind, won't just full force feed Rashad Penny this year. Like it, for me, it basically is going to come down to an injury. Which I'll be honest, you can't predict injury, but with Rashad Penny, um, a little bit of Hawks bias in me, maybe. But I think the fantasy community will also kind of agree with me. This guy is a uh, hard to trust he has missed quite a few games i think the last time i counted was that he had 10 total like fantasy relevant games where i was looking at his points to be like above 10 uh in a ppr setting um over four years now um i just i'm i'm really down on penny um but he is in there. And if Penny stays healthy, the Hawks are going to run him to death. I mean, they have no reason not to. Um, they can they can get rid of Penny uh, next season um, if he doesn't perform or if he just if they wear him out. So it's probably going to be a Penny season. I had a bold take in our uh, uh, RPG Discord that will speak otherwise, but that is truly relying on a Penny injury, which again can't predict it can, can kind of predict it with penny uh after he has missed quite a few games due to injury but man ken walker he's he is fast as hell and if he can take the reins if he can show that the hawks are in a better position to win with him being the star running back which i don't i think that is a decent percent chance of happening um i think that he's going to be super valuable and you know it's hard for me to say that he's going to be more valuable than than his uh class counterpart in Brees hall uh Brees hall obviously has the uh the requisite profile to be my number four on my ranking list while ken walker comes in at eight but i think there's a decent chance that ken walker could get up to six five um you know we'll see uh but yeah i think that he is just, he's still a dynamic player. I think if the Hawks draft a QB next year, he is, he has the chance of becoming a top 10 fantasy running back. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch him play this year. 
I agree. Just like you said, Corey, you know, Rashad Penny, former first round pick, like he had a great college final season and the Seahawks chose him. Like they had high hopes for him and I think they were definitely let down. Um, so I can definitely see them using him and just kind of running him into the ground this year, um, which should help to depress the Kenny Walker, or, uh, yeah, Kenneth Walker, um, hype and potentially reduce his value. Um, so a little concerned there, uh, very concerned about the Seahawks offense and the fact that they don't pass to their running backs because, they don't because Pete Carroll doesn't believe in that. Um, so that is one of my biggest concerns and what is keeping uh, Kenneth Walker this far down. I mean, he has to be Nick Chubb level efficient. He has to be mm. you know, Derrick Henry level quantity of carries. Like he just needs to absolutely be wet free. And I just don't see it happening. And without that happening, I think he's poised to let us down for fantasy football purposes. I think it's going to be a very slow first year uh, for him. Yeah, no, I I pretty much agree with all you're saying. Um, I think that the likelihood that he disappoints is high. Um, Even being, you know, a Hawks fan, having hope for him, I, I don't disagree that there's an awful risk going with him um i guess the only other thing i'll say is that look pete Pete carroll's time is coming to an end sooner than later like the the guy is the one of the oldest coaches in the nfl is he the oldest coach in the nfl i think that might be the case um but look i'm i'm really looking towards the future with with the hawks and with ken walker um specifically i'm hoping that they essentially i don't think they're ever going to fire pete i don't i just don't think that can happen unfortunately uh, unfortunately fortunately i don't know i don't know how i feel about Pete carroll at this point because he's done so much good work but he's also so stubbornly set in his ways i think he's a great player coach i just don't think he's a great like offensive mind like i i think he's just too stubborn and so for me, a lot of my hope rests in that P. Carroll is eventually going to retire uh, one of these years, and we're going to see a new era for the Hawks. And the new era for the Hawks is going to be DK Metcalf, Kenneth Walker, Noah Fant, and CJ Stroud. Book it. Uh, <laughs> but we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and move on to number nine then, since eight was the same for us. Uh, again, Kenneth Walker being eight, like a lot of the concerns there, that's kind of why he's so far down, but he's still in our top 10 uh, when we're comparing these classes together. But you've, you're starting to see the picture now, I think, the, uh, the listeners are where we kind of view these 23 guys because there's a lot of them on our list. And to that effect, number nine for me is Sean Tucker. Um, a lot of what Evan said is, is kind of my reason for putting him there. Uh, I think the biggest flip again between uh sean tucker and, and zach evans is that uh i like zach evans in in the Ole Miss offense more uh but sean tucker looks great man he looks like a monster and you know what he has is uh he has those 20 receptions last year that shows that he can catch the football 
rack up PPR points, uh, which is super valuable. Um, he does have a little bit of a size concern for me too. I'd love to see him come in at like 210. I think last time I checked, he was listed at like 200 flat. Um, he might not be able to tack on that many pounds, but that would be nice to see being 510, like being a little smaller. Um, so, you know, hopefully he can tack on some muscle there, but look, 1500 yards ain't nothing man 20 receptions sounds good like if he can show out this year i think he has a decent shot at being drafted to a to an rb needy team and uh and looking like a guy that you can be confident in uh taking in in the uh in your dynasty drafts next year i think there's going to be a decent amount of rbs drafted in the first round next year so that's that's gonna be really exciting to see especially uh having hoarded a lot of first round picks but uh, yeah, who who do you have at number nine? Yeah, so I have Zach Evans at number nine. Um, very much, you know, what Corey was getting at. The Ole Miss offense is likely going to be running very quickly. Uh, it was last year they averaged, averaged 80, I think it was, uh, right around 80 um, plays per game, offensive plays per game which is absolutely huge. Um, and Zach Evans, one of the big concerns with him is just his love of football. Um, and to me, that's kind of a red flag. As great of an athlete as he is, as great as his size profile is, um, he's had these mysterious injuries that just so happen to linger and stick around. And there's been plenty of rumors of teammates basically saying, yeah, he quit on us and just didn't want to play. So he said that he had an injury and he basically convinced the training staff to say that he has an injury. Um, TCU is very much known for not having a true dominant, dominant running back. Um, they use their running backs very much like Georgia uses their running backs where it is a three headed committee. Um, and even the top running back likely is not going to see more than 50% of the rushes um, from the running back pool. So that frustrated him supposedly down at TCU, which partially led to the Ole Miss transfer. Um, I will be very excited um, to see how he plays in that Ole Miss offense um, and what that could potentially mean and the teams that he's going to be going up against um changing conferences so i think that's huge Ch changing the conferences uh, and playing against better defenses uh to really show out his skill set uh and he was the number two running back high school recruit in that Bijan class so Bijan was the only running back in his high school class uh that was outranked coming into college uh from him so yeah, yeah, I I pretty much agree entirely. Um, a lot of what I view him at, I just I think that the look the concerns about uh, faking injuries and that kind of thing that that's disappointing um, and that's a little scary to hear. Um, but I think that the chance of him ascending at Ole Miss and kind of like affirming his desire to to play football and compete, I think that. If that occurs, then you're looking at a guy that that is going to be really interesting to uh, to follow up on. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally understand those concerns. That's why he's he's so far on both of our lists, I think. All right, so 
taking it to number 10 we definitely sped through this a lot more than the qbs the, the, that was a lot more contentious i feel like this is lined up a lot more but this will be a little bit of a fun one because i don't know how you i don't know how you view this guy at all um but i look man i saw the name i can't lie i saw the name and i was like all right i'll watch this guy i'll see what this dude's got i mean his name is tank bigsby that's a name right there that is a i mean the guy's a tank uh and i mean to that effect like let's let's see six foot two ten two fifteen is what i think he he's playing at like that is that's a size i'm interested in for sure um and just watching some of his tape he he does not disappoint in terms of the name to play style correlation he runs like a tank man um he i think got over a thousand yards or 1100 yards as a as an auburn tiger um i don't know too much about how competitive that uh conference is or anything like that like i said i'm, I'm still layman in that effect but uh i like his tape i like his highlights and I love his name, uh, and I also really like that he had 21 receptions last year, um, which, as Evan said, I mean, that 20-25 range in a college setting, that that's that's a good benchmark, and knowing that he can, you know, catch for, for almost 200 yards, that, that makes me pretty excited, um, and I, look, man, I think that the big contention here is going to be who you have at 10 versus who I have at 10. Because I was thinking about putting the guy that you had at 10 as my number 10, but I have concerns about him that I can go into more. But for me, I look at Tank, I see a guy that he has the potential to play at an NFL level. He has the physical traits that I want to see. Um, I saw one reception from him that was like awesome. Uh, I think it was like a 50 yard reception that was just super cool and and kind of painted me a picture of like what his upside could potentially be in an offense that that utilizes that capability so like i said man he's nine he's my number 10 i don't have a ton on him but what i have seen on him is exciting um and i love the name so number 10 tank bigsby baby yeah i mean there were multiple guys in consideration uh for the 10 spot for me um definitely looked at elijah mitchell um, got pulled back by the draft capital, pulled back by the fact that San Francisco is always non-committal to their running back. Um, so that kind of pulled me back a little bit. Um, definitely considered Tank Bisbee as well. Uh, I think he was the fourth or fifth ranked running back in their high school recruiting class, which also was the Bijan class um, and Zach Evans class. Uh, he had a really good freshman year at Auburn. Uh, kind of fell back a little bit. Supposedly there were some issues with the coaching staff and he just wasn't getting along with his running backs coach. And then the OC wasn't, you know, backing him and wasn't really going to bat for him. Um, so there was a little bit of turmoil there. Uh, there were some questions over the offseason of whether he would suit up for Auburn again and whether he would actually transfer. Um, but he seems to be wanting to stay at Auburn, wanting to play out his final season there, has the requisite size. So definitely can understand and agree to that um but the pick that i went with ultimately was james cook he's a running back that has been going in the first round in most rookie drafts this year um i've seen some people be as crazy as taking him at 102 which is absolutely crazy don't get me wrong um but you know people are going to hear the cook name 
and immediately start thinking about his brother, um, Dalvin. So there's that correlation. NFL lines, um, he is a little bit on the thinner side. Um, he played at Georgia, though, and obviously Georgia gets national exposure. Like, a lot of people have seen him. A lot of people know his name from that championship run. So there's that. Um, James Cook is also clearly on the list of NFL potential, the best pass catcher on that list of players that we had left to pick from. Um, and once again, I stand by the fact that PPR points are more valuable. So a running back that can get receptions is going to be more valuable than a running back that is just purely running the ball. And then you also dig into the fact that Devin Singletary is on the final year of his rookie contract. So that could potentially mean next year he's competing against Zach Moss, which could lead to more carries for um, James Cook and a little bit bigger role. And Zach Moss just kind of getting some goal line, some plotter carries, uh, those kind of situations. And James Cook kind of taking a little step forward one of the best offenses in football. We all know that that offense is going to score a ton of points. Obviously, offenses scoring a ton of points has been very clearly correlated to running back points over the years. So that is another thing that just pushed James Cook up in my rankings and made me put him at number 10. Yeah. Um, and look, James Cook being off my list, I know that's going to, for people that, especially people that take him uh, 102, 103, 104, which I have seen also happen, which I will reiterate, is crazy. Um, look, for, for me, I think, he, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be basically nothing more, though, than, than a satellite back. Um, I, I just, when I think about the Bills offense, it's one of the best offenses you're you're definitely right about that but maybe they don't resign Devin Singletary but I think whoever is going to be on that offense as a running back I think it's going to be insanely frustrating for fantasy football players I think it'll be a constant rotation of Devin Singletary or a Devin Singletary type Zach Moss and James Cook all taking away from each other, not to mention Josh Allen sneaking in for touchdowns that could be going to the running back. James Cook isn't like an undraftable player for me. Well, I mean, he kind of is uh, in terms of like where he's going. Like I, I wouldn't take him as high as like some people are taking him. He's not a player that I like don't want on my roster though. He's just a player that when I look at all these other running backs, they just have a greater chance for me to be more of that like 60 70% share of the backfield um which is what I want in my running backs if they're not taking the full load then I want them to be at least taking the majority uh the lion's share of it and um you know I think a lot like you said is being based off the name I think a lot of is being based off of Georgia I think a lot of the, is being based off the bills even though if people really think about the bills and and how they work um there's going to be a lot of frustrated owners out there that are going to think James Cook is going to run in for the uh, for the touchdown. It's going to be a Josh Allen sneak, or it's going to be a, a Dawson Knox uh, in the corner of the end zone, or you know, I, I, I'm just I'm not sold on the slightness of his frame too. I, I'm a little eked out by that. Um, 
I think if I had to like fill out my list to the uh, to the 15 mark, he'd certainly be on there uh, in some form. But to put him top 10, I'm just I'm not there with him. I I don't I don't see him coming in at an NFL level and you know beating out you know any of these guys. I don't I don't think he's going to be more valuable than than Ken Walker, um, which is uh, you know kind of tough considering Ken Walker's spot right now on the Hawks and what they're dealing with, but. I just think it's always going to be this like weird three-headed, four-headed running monster on the Bills for the foreseeable future, and so that's that's kind of why I left him off my list. Um, I could absolutely be proven wrong; it wouldn't be the first time. But uh, yep, that, that's kind of where I'm at with James Cook. Yeah, all very valid points, all very fair points. Um, one thing that I did want to point out, uh, since we are talking about running backs and we are talking about all three of these classes um pff if some people might have seen uh their running back rankings so their running back rankings are actually for college um but uh deuce vaughn one of my favorite running backs to watch like if you just go watch deuce vaughn highlights it's a lot of fun but from an nfl standpoint he would be an absolute needle in a haystack type of hit if he hits because of his size he's just most likely I'm obviously I'm not going to say it's impossible, but most likely he is just way too small to be durable enough and to be able to have an impact enough at the NFL level for us to be taking him in fantasy early. Yeah. He was a guy I looked at for sure. And, and the size thing is, is the primary reason why he was left off my list. He's really fun to watch. Like you said, I think he's electric. Um, but yeah, it's just scary. You know, he he matches up against the right middle linebacker or uh, strong safety, and I just, uh, he, he could break in half, man. Yep. And then uh, Devon A-Chain as, as well for A&M. Um, super, super fast. One, one of the guys that at the Combine should be testing very well. He is a track star for A&M as well, so he's a two-sport college athlete. Um, and he's actually in, I want to say, like the Nationals competitions uh, for oh, wow. track and field uh, right now for A&M uh, as well. So That's awesome. Was, I don't know if he still is, but was in the yeah. competitions. Yep. Another guy that I put on the uh, 23 list of RBs, but just, you know, didn't crack my list. Um, but yeah, I mean, to sum up here, as I kind of keep hinting at, you're seeing our list come out and obviously a lot of these guys at the top are are proven at the NFL level, but the majority of our lists are 23 guys. And that just speaks to the the quality uh, of these guys that are coming out next year. And, and why I think Evan and I are hoarding a lot of 23 picks is that we're really excited to draft these very valuable players. Um, RBs, as everyone knows, are scarce. Um, to get those high quality RBs on your team is like finding a diamond uh, in the rough. And there's going to be a lot of diamonds next year. So really exciting year. Get those 23 picks, man. Hoard them. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it might be a little late to be able to get those 23 picks. Yeah. Uh, you might still be able to work some trades for you'll, them. You'll have some midseason opportunities, I imagine, when when now teams that, you know, just need to, to get it done, especially the ones that like before you actually get into playoffs, the ones that are like 
maybe gonna hit playoff territory, but also maybe won't. And trying to zone in on those managers and and see if they want to uh, increase their chances by flipping a guy that maybe you don't think will take them all the way. Um, there will certainly be that that opportunity, I believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, as as you said, I think the the time to get on in on those guys for uh, a cheap price was probably like two years ago. <laughs> so maybe a little late on the on the train. But uh, yeah, excited if you do already have those um, those picks racked up. Very, very exciting. Yeah, and we're getting really close to, to being able to see some of these athletes get on the field. Um, we're getting really close to being able to see college football kickoff and be able to see the college football series or the college football. <laughs> uh, yeah, college football playing. Um, when does that uh, kick off? Uh, it should be kicking off uh, end of next month. Oh baby! So yeah, we're we're less than we're less than thirty days away um, from college football and being able to watch decent games. That's awesome. Looking forward to that. Oh, you know what? Uh, I know how we can wrap things up. Unless you have anything else you want to mention, I think I can. I think I can wrap things up by finally. I don't think I have officially announced it, um, but I'm ready. I'm ready to officially announce my college team. Um, it it took me a while. There were teams that I looked at. I actually was really I was looking at the Gators, man. I, I was I was kind of narrowing in on them because I love their uniforms and they're just such a fun team to watch. And uh, the the um, the quarterback playing there uh, remind me of his name. Oh, um, Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson. I've been watching a lot of his tape and I've, I'm just, man, he's a lot of fun and I feel like he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But uh, they were narrowly beat um, because I, I went out with some buddies and I got pretty drunk and they converted me. And you are now looking at the newest UW Huskies fan. Let's go Huskies. Sam Heward is the truth. And he is going to revamp this team, baby. Let's go. Okay. Let's yeah. go, Huskies. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's all good. I'll, I'll let you go to watch some losing football games. <laughs> How are you going to do me like that? I just became a fan. Yeah, you got to learn the hard way. Yeah, no, that's fair. No, I'm actually really excited to like be a fan of like a not good college team because I, man, I feel like going any other route, like trying to ingrain myself in like a winning team already, like a popular team, is just so bandwagony and it just felt weird. And now I can be a fan of a team that's bad, but is in a state that I live in, and I have friends that I can go and watch games with and and be with them during the bad times. And it, hey, hey, if we see any good times and we can revel in that too. Um, and I've, I've read a little bit of this uh, quarterback, Sam Heward's story a bit. He has like a, a dad and an uncle that were like the UW passing leaders uh, when they were in uh, college. And so I'm excited for that storyline and hell man, if we're bad, we're bad, but uh, at least, you know, I can watch, uh, a team with my friends and and cheer them on when they're bad and and uh, lose faith together as a team like I do with my uh, Seattle Mariners every year. Hey, the Mariners are looking pretty decent. You know they got a shot to make the playoffs, so there's that. Yeah, 
I this happens every year though. This happens literally every year. I'm like, oh, oh, wait, are the Mariners? Oh no, never mind. No, they're not good. Oh wait, are they good? No, 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 they're not good. Sleep, sleep was in Seattle, you know, just from all the literally and all the heartbreak. Dude, seriously, man. Like, I'll still, I'll never forget. Like, it was my second year in Washington when the Hawks won their Super Bowl, and it was just so like being in that culture and and going to bars with people I had just met and just being like, yeah, I get, yeah, Hawk, go Hawks. We wait, we want a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like that, that was just so fun. And so, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm all aboard. Um, I love the purple and gold. Uh, I have a Husky, like it, it was just meant to be. So, yep. That's, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm letting my, my chips fall. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I mean, you get to enjoy some West Coast football for uh, us in the central time zone and the Eric's of the world in the eastern time zone. Uh, watching Pac-12 football is very difficult. Usually I'm doing yeah. it through my eyelids. So, <laughs> Well, I can, I can fire off highlights, you know, every 10 games. I'll fire off a clip to you guys uh, when something interesting happens. Oh, okay. So it takes 10 games for something interesting to happen? I mean, that's that's uh, that's a strong guess. I, I I feel like I'm not too far off though. All righty. Well, we appreciate everybody, you know, tapping in for for this podcast, and hopefully you uh, learn some things and and see our rankings and understand our process of what we went through. Yeah, and if you're in a league with uh, Eric or a corn dog, make sure to give him plenty of flack for missing the last two. Maybe send him a really bad trade offer. <laughs> he loves those. He absolutely just loves those. Loves them. can't blame him you know playing on a pga tour course for sure like, if i could play on a pga tour course like i would do that in a heartbeat yep all shade thrown with love like he, yes. he he did what he had to do i don't blame him for it at all we sure miss you though eric hopefully you can get on the next one buddy if he's not on the next one we might have to you know change who all is on this podcast and maybe I could just like clip together things he said in the past and like edit in him being here, even though he's not. But every time we make a point, he'll just be like, and I think Justin Fields will be the number one quarterback. <laughs> or um, I hate Trey Lance, every other thing we say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely hates Trey Lance. Hey, what, what did you think of the uh, prediction, that the bold prediction that I made? with Hertz and Lance both being top five rushing quarterbacks. 
Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, when I think about the five quarterbacks that are going to be in that like range, I mean, Lamar, Kyler, and I think a lot of people might put Russ there, but I don't. I don't know. I, I think Russ is going to. Josh Allen, yeah, I think he'll still be up there. Um, Russ might be outside of it, to be honest. I don't think he'll rush as much on the Broncos. Um, but then, like, who else? Like, it feels like Lance and Hurts are, are primed and ready to take to take those spots. Um, right. For sure. I, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was up there last year. So, like, yeah, there, there, yeah. Was, there was a very big gap, I think, if I remember correctly, between, like, the top four mm-hmm. and then, like, the next, like, drop down. Like, it went from, like... 700 yards down to like 450 yeah so there's a giant giant gap there so so much of lance's like skill set is based on his running and the fact that he didn't get you know he barely got used last year i think that he with a whole season he can rack up a ton of rushing yards so i'm really looking forward to that and hertz has already shown it man i mean you you know already how much of a hertz stan i was i i drafted him so much last year i was clamoring that, that was my bold take last year was i i had hurts as a top five quarterback last year before anything got started i was really high on him and it was specifically his rushing potential it um, was very close too if he wouldn't have gotten so injured, close you yeah. would have had a shot like oh geez. i know i know the the times where he was like number one number two i was just biting my nails i was like is this happening are we doing this like hell yeah and then yeah he gets hurt and i'm like damn it 